the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And sometimes we think, well, you know, if we interact too much with those unbelievers out there, the truth will get sullied. That's not how it works. God's Spirit moves throughout the world to affect men and women who aren't here, who are there. And the web of His providence brings events about. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's message with Pastor Mike is entitled, The Little Angel and the Mighty Man. And you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Before we get started, we want you to know that we believe here at Reaching Your Heart that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us at any time, day or night. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Father God, we are here today because we need the Word of God in our life. Lord, I preached this sermon two years ago, and I've been impressed to re-preach it today. We're living at a time when people don't want to follow the word, sometimes in our church, sometimes out of the church, sometimes in our own personal lives. We could be that person. I pray that, Lord, that we will realize that no matter if we're a child or if we're a mighty man, a great person of the church, the call is the same, to surrender and obey the word. In Jesus' name, amen. The figure of Orphan Annie appeared in the Great Depression in the comic book strip that was created by Harold Gray. It's part of American culture and history. It was based on the 1885 poem, Little Orphan Annie, by James Whitcomb Riley. The comic strip of Orphan Annie was introduced to our country in the New York Times on August 5 of 1924, so it's really a thing of the Depression. In a fortune poll in 1937, Orphan Annie ranked number one in popularity in the United States. Iconic. Orphan Annie was cast with her dog Sandy and, of course, the mighty man who served as her caretaker and defender, Oliver Daddy Warbucks. The comic book strip attacked some pretty tough subjects and so it became a literary vehicle for the New Deal legislation, the dangers of organized labor, and, of course, the evils of communism. Since then, Orphan Annie has been an industry all her own. The little maid with her curly red hair has made millions of dollars for the industry of Orphan Annie, Inc. Movies and musicals have followed, and the perennial tale of the little maid and the mighty man live on in American culture. Now, in the famous 1982 musical Orphan Annie, a song was sang, and the song has become, in modern times, quite typical of this Orphan Annie genre. It's called Tomorrow, and I want to read to you just a portion of that to set the stage for what we're looking at here this morning. The song went, the sun will come out tomorrow, but you bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs, clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow until there's none. 
When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and grin and say, oh, the sun will come out tomorrow, so you got to hang on till tomorrow, come what may, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow, you're always a day away. Now that's an optimistic attitude of living for the future embedded here in this song here that was sung in the Annie musical, Orphan Annie. In the Bible, friend, there is a story of the indomitable and optimistic little maid who served the mighty man of Syria who couldn't make it to his tomorrow without the childlike wisdom and guidance of the little maid from the land of Israel. It's the ancient version of Orphan Annie and Daddy Warbucks. And their tale comes together in the Bible version of that archetypical scene. It is the story of the little maid and the mighty man who found God through her mighty and optimistic faith. You know, sometimes we think that children cannot make a massive impact for the cause of God. Do you realize the time for children to learn to witness for Christ is when they're young? The time for them to buy into Christian values is when they're a child. I toured the Sabbath school classes here this morning. I saw the youth are gone on the youth trip, but I saw the rooms full this Sabbath. I want to say praise the Lord for the consistent leadership of our Sabbath school teachers getting here, holding the line there. You could see the fruit of it this morning and those vibrant young people learning the word of God. I mean, it doesn't start when you're a teenager or adult. If you are pregnant and you have a child on the way, you had better get them to Sabbath school now if you want to keep them for Christ later. And so this little girl had been tooled and had been schooled in the things of God since she was a child. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Kings 5 verse 1. The story starts, Naaman, commander of the armies of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. You know, so much is found in this wonderful verse. Sometimes we think that God can only work through people who have a knowledge of the truth. And sometimes we think, well, you know, if we interact too much with those unbelievers out there, the truth will get sullied. That's not how it works. God's Spirit moves throughout the world to affect men and women who aren't here, who are there. And the web of His providence brings events about. And so in this particular case, God was moving on a man's heart in a foreign land who knew nothing about the truth, but he was still God's mighty man because God was leading him. The Hebrew text indicates that the Lord gave Syria victory because of this mighty man warrior, Naaman. There was something about him. He deserved to win the causes that he was out to fight for. Now, two concepts stand as a tension in the narrative. First, Naaman was a mighty man of valor. The Hebrew text calls him literally the prince of the host of Syria. Now that's a technical term. In fact, it's found in the Old Testament, but it's also found in certain key passages which have to do with the pre-existent Christ. In Joshua 5.14, when Joshua was coming, he saw a man with sword drawn in hand. He said, are you for us or for our enemies? He says, listen, I'm not for either of you. I'm for the Lord. I come as the captain of the Lord's army, literally the prince of the host of the Lord's army. And he uses this very title. That was the pre-existent Christ that Joshua met that day. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 11, the little horn power, the historical antichrist, rose up to be equal to the prince of the host. 
and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And he's later identified in Daniel 8 as a mighty man in verse 15, as the prince of princes in verse 25. And so we find contextually that the pre-existent Christ was called the prince of the host. So this is the same title given to Christ before he was born in Bethlehem's manger. And so in this sense, Naaman was like Christ. He was the captain of the Lord's army, even though it was a foreign army. The Lord gave him victories. But in another sense, he was not. He did not have a knowledge of the truth. He did not understand the word of God. He had never been schooled in who the true God was. And so he needed a change in his life. Number two, secondly, the text says he was a leper. If he had lived in Israel or Judah... The disease of leprosy would have made him an outcast from God's people. I mean, he would have heard the cry, unclean, unclean, stay away from Naaman. But he did not grow up that way. The stigma was not the same in Syria. No doubt Naaman was so valuable to the king that he kept him on in his service, even though he was a leper. In the Bible, leprosy is a symbol of sin. So the text reads, he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. The conjunction, but, that little word, but, changes everything. He was this, but he was this. And so the mighty man needed some mighty strong help to address the problem of his leprosy. Now, I speak to you quite forthrightly today. It could be that you are very mighty in your work. It could be that you have your life tracked and figured out. And it could be that you are a success in every way, but deep inside there is a sin-stained leprosy in your life that is dragging you down. Friend, you need the same help in your life that Naaman needed. You need an external solution for something internal and external as well. So during that time of apostasy for the northern kingdom of Israel, the Syrians had been used by God to judge the unrepentant nation of Israel. You know, we sometimes think, well, you know, we're the true church. We appear in the book of Revelation. This is true. And there has to be a remnant people at the end of time. Absolutely correct. But dear heart, it's possible to have the truth and not live it. It's possible to know of the truth, but really not even know it. It's possible to grow up in God's land and really be so disconnected from the spirit of the living God, from the transforming power of God's word that the enemy sometimes must come in to awaken the conscience of believers within the land of God. And so Syria was at war at times with the covenant nation of Israel in the north that had placed itself at war with God by its chosen sin of idol worship. So God's people had fallen into sin by worshiping Baal and other idols. And so as a result, you know the storyline, God sent a prophet named Elijah. Elijah's name means my God is Yahweh, the Lord, to bring that nation of Israel back to God. And then God sent Elisha, a not so outspoken kind of prophet, a quiet kind of prophet to deepen the nation's repentance and to effect an interchange in the life that would be permanent and heartfelt two men of God, a tag team to turn the nation back. You know, changes don't often happen quickly when compromise has been around for a long time. When people have forsaken the word of God, it takes time for a rebellious people who think they have the truth, but who are in fact God's people to live the truth for all the right reasons. I believe we're living in a time verse history when we have to come back to God. Are you listening to me? Where we as God's people in this place must return to God. And we must return to God on God's terms, not ours. 
So what does this mean as far as God is concerned? It means that there are times when God's people can become an enemy against God's cause. And God himself, they can oppose. And if those times get too bad, if the slippage is too long and hard... God will align himself with righteous individuals on the outside of his upside down kind of kingdom that should obey to enter into controversy with his own covenant people to bring them back to God. And that's what's happening in the story of Naaman. Now, why would God do that? Here's the answer. Because God loves his people. He wants his people to be brought back to him. You know, it's a strange kind of work that God has done in history, but a necessary one nonetheless. Friend, If you were in such a state of compromise in your life, now I have in my life been in a state of compromise at times. You ever compromised the truth, slipped, you know, got kind of lazy with it, and then you found yourself not really in it as you should have been. Has anyone ever been there? I have. I have. And I have had to struggle and pray and realign when that occurs. So I'm not talking down to anyone here. I'm saying this can happen to preachers. We have to daily seek the presence of God or slippage can happen. So it's a strange kind of work that God does. Friend, if you're in such a state of compromise in your life right now, then align yourself with God right now. Be reconciled with God and Jesus right now. Or God may perform his strange work and make war on you to save you. And that would not be a pleasant experience. At this point, the story shifts to a little girl from Israel who's become a servant of Naaman in a foreign land. Now look at verse 2. It says, Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little maid from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now imagine that. These marauders from the north come down, and they take this little girl away, and God allows it. Her heart is broken. The family is broken, but providence is on the march. She's the orphan Annie of the story here, captured by a foreign army and destined to live in a mighty man's house outside of Israel. Naaman had become Daddy Warbuckle, and she had become for him a little friend like Orphan Annie. Verse 3 continues. She said to her mistress, that's his wife, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. You know, it's like the song of little Orphan Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. So you got to hang on till tomorrow, come what may. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow, you're always a day away. Friend, tomorrow is not a day away if you don't have Jesus. If you don't have the real light that lightens your tomorrow, you're not going to get into the right tomorrow. Tomorrow comes today because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And the preexistent Christ was working in the life of this little maid to reach this mighty man and to reach the nation of Israel in the mix. The only way to access God's bright tomorrow today, I'm going to be very direct here is through the light of the prophets who point the way. Now I'm holding my hand, my Bible. You got your Bible? Take it out and hold your hand. Let your fingers touch this thing. I've been around people who like acting like they're real smart. I'm for advanced education. You get a PhD, praise the Lord. It's a good thing. Now if I have to pick between a philosopher king who has a great theological degree and the Word of God. You know what I'm going to pick? The prophets. And I don't have to have the greatest explanations to hang on to this Word. Now, we're living in a time, friend, I'm talking direct to you as a congregation here. We're living in a time when God's people must know the Scriptures, 
must be engaged in the prophetic truth of our time. We must take advantage of everything is given to us. And there is no place for compromise in this regard. We must be a people of the Bible. A people of the Bible. And that's not a very popular thing to say. It's necessary to say. I was recently in a conference on the book of Daniel making a presentation. And I heard a very prominent person, I'm not going to say who it was, stand up and denigrate the messenger to this church in a scholarly manner. And so I'm just going to be very frank with you. Anything that tears down belief in this book, God's prophetic leading that we have experienced, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't have to sit there and sift through it and figure out whether or not someone has a good historical argument or not. By their fruits, you will know them. You can reject certain things in your life. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. Studying the Bible is vital to our lives, and we would like to help you in that process by providing you free Bible study guides. These full-color Bible study guides are available for you right now if you dial this telephone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. We would love for you to call and get your copy of these free Bible study guides at any time. That's 888-244-4673. Now more with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. And so the call is quite clear. Back then, there was a prophet in Samaria. The answer wasn't with human wisdom. It was with the word of God that that prophet embodied. Friend, God's tomorrow comes when we take the Bible and we submit to it in our families, in our life, and we pray and we begin to obey, not because we're good people, because none of us are, but because the Holy Spirit is at work in us and we find the living Christ in the word of God. And so I hold up the Bible as truth today. It's not simply positive thinking that guides us. You see, that comes from God's word of its correct thinking. A true believer needs Christ in his life, and Christ comes through the Bible. It's a changed heart and a changed life that comes by an interaction with the truth. And the truth is not dull theology. The truth is Christ, the living Christ, that is found in his word. And only the prophets can direct us to the living Christ. We live in a world today where so many men and women in our society are so sure that Bible-based religion has nothing to offer in our secular society. In fact, the Bible is open. They say, well, you're not ignorant, you're reading the Bible. Ah, you know, we know we evolved, we came from evolution and so on. And they think that if you believe in a God who can supernaturally create the world and the universe, that somehow you're unintelligent. Friend, it's better to appear to be unintelligent and to be right with the God who will raise you from the dead at the end of time than to buy into that stuff. And so our secular world has a hard time with the Word of God. The secular world we live in right here in America at times, has made it very hard for people of faith to worship. And yet there really is no cure for the deep leprosy of our secular culture, of the human condition, unless the disease called sin is met by the truth called Jesus that comes only through the prophets, through the word of God. Our access to the prophets today, friend, is found in the Bible, the word of God. And I'm not going to apologize for this book. I've heard people say, well, you know, the Bible... That was a book, it was the product of a faith culture that evolved over so many years. You know, when I read the Bible, I find stuff in this book that blows my mind intellectually at a level I cannot describe to you. I have stopped reading most theology in my life now because I don't have time for it. I'm well-read, I'm graduate trained, but you know what? I find that this book draws me in. 
that I can find mathematics in this book, that I find structures that are beyond smart, that are fractal system literary structures that point to a mind that is multidimensional and yet a simple linear narrative that points in clarity to Jesus as my Savior. I apologize not for this book today. And I tell you right now, if if we want Christ in our life, Christ in us, the hope of glory, we must have the Bible in our life, in our personal devotional time, in the preaching of the word, and in the evangelistic proclamation of our church. God's word is God's way of bringing men and women back to him and curing them of their spiritual leprosy. And so the little maid, the orphan ending the story, is suddenly a missionary sharing her faith in a foreign land far away from home. She's a missionary for God in Naaman's house. I say today, would that every child in the church was a missionary for God in the same way. When she speaks to Naaman, she provides a two-sentence witness that gets right to the point. Here's what she says. Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. That's not complicated. That's just to the point. The Hebrew is a little more dramatic here. She says, literally, he would gather him from his leprosy, not cure, but gather. So here the word for cure translated as such is really to gather. This little girl has the guts to tell her Lord that the mighty man, that he is really a broken man and that God has a man that can gather him from his leprosy, a relational healing of his disease. He not only needs to be healed from his leprosy, he needs to be gathered to a caring God. And she's pointing to such That's the paradox here. He needs to come to God whose hand has allowed him to raid that land and yet he goes to the very land he has raided to be healed. It's a paradox. God cares about the mighty man on the wrong side and he wants to cure him of his alienation from God by gathering him. And so his leprosy becomes an opportunity to be healed in the inside. So the little maid implies that Naaman must be gathered to God. Suddenly, she has introduced an idea that will change world affairs in her time. He is a prominent world leader. She's a little maid. And what she says to him will redirect the course of history. Her little insertion, her little witness, her little advertisement of faith has stopped the war for a while so that kings can interact with a felt need of a mighty man and a prophet can meet that need in God's name. Look at verse 4 of Second Kings 5. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus, and so spoke the maiden from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten festal garments. He loved his mighty man. He made sure the king would listen. So suddenly the mighty man who had raided Israel is now an ambassador for his king to the king of Israel with gifts in his hand. To the king. It's an upside down kind of situation. Little Maid's report has now become a fact of public policy. The little missionary for God, kidnapped to a foreign land, is now being used by God to rescript world affairs for the purpose of grace, her master's grace. Now, don't tell me children don't make a difference here. I mean, this is the little maid's doing. The letter itself is full of faith, the kind of faith you would not expect from an unbelieving king. For a believing king, supposedly, in behalf of a mighty man. Look at verse 6. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now at that time, Israel was in a state of rebellion against God, as I have said. The land of understanding had in it an opportunity for growth, but realistically, they had lost the word of God right there. 
And so the little maid's witness in the person of the mighty man is now an interaction with the real problem that is in her own land. The same problem can happen right here. You know, we can be teaching, preaching, doing right things and need a voice from the outside to awaken us to the word of God on the inside. So in the story, the king of Israel proves that he is blind to the opportunity that God has given him. An opportunity for peace, an opportunity to extend the knowledge of God in all the earth. He doesn't have a clue. We will continue with the little maid and the mighty man the next time we get together here on Reaching Your Heart. Thank you so much for listening. You can find this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com. If you're living in Northern Virginia, or if you don't mind driving just a little bit, Pastor Mike would like to invite you personally to a seminar to learn about the amazing prophetic discoveries as found in the book of Revelation. Now, this series starts Friday, March the 23rd at 7 p.m., and is being conducted by Pastor Mike's good friend, Pastor Mark Finley, who is a pastor, author, and evangelist who has taken these seminars to over 80 countries. You'll not want to miss Pastor Mark's dynamic, compassionate, and thought-provoking discoveries that enables you to really actually understand the book of Revelation and face the future with confidence. This seminar is free and will be conducted at the Battlefield Best Western Inn, 10820 Ballsford Road, Manassas, Virginia. That's 10820 Ballsford Road, Manassas, Virginia. The seminar is packed with content and will be conducted in the evenings at 7 p.m. on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. If you can't attend the entire series, please stop by and learn some amazing discoveries with the time that you have. That's 10820 Ballsford Road, Manassas, Virginia. You can call this telephone number for more information, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Be prepared. It's a great motto to keep in mind given the difficult times that we all face here in the future. We'd love for you to have a book entitled Ultimate Survival. This book will give you practical steps on how you can survive spiritually. You'll discover keys to physical, mental, and spiritual survival you may not know existed. Call right now, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And join us again next time for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.